tonight. I appreciate our missionaries. I was telling him, I said, you know, the last three missionaries we were supposed to have never showed up because they got on the field before they got here. And so we're believing that God is going to give them a speedy return or, or to their place uh, that they're going to go. Hopefully tonight our eyes will get open just a little bit wider and we can understand the global vision in Jesus' name. So you folks come, you share us your burden, and you take your liberty in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. We can give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. God, we love you. We exalt you, God. We magnify your name, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name, God. Glory to your name, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Praise your name, Lord. Praise your name, Lord. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Greet someone. Shake their hand. Tell them next year, this time, we'll be in a bigger building. Praise the Lord. Amen. I believe that. I know you believe that. And God believes in you. Amen. God believes in you. I feel the presence of God here. Uh, I give greetings to your pastor and his wife. God bless them. Amen. God bless you to the Carnahan family. God bless you. Amen. It's good to meet you. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It is good to meet uh, the brother that came out. I already forgot his name. God bless him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. But it's good to meet you. It's good to be here with you. And it's good to be with your church people. Appreciate the spirit of God that's here. Amen. I'm thankful that we're all on the same side. Amen. We're all living for God. We all believe in the same Bible. Amen. We have something in common. Amen, and I, I'm thankful that you have opened the pulpit for us to share our burden with you tonight, and uh, so I'm going to call my wife to come and start off to greet you, and you may be seated, and uh, have her speak to you a few minutes, amen, and we'll go from there. I appreciate my wife, appreciate her love for the people in Africa, I'm very blessed, uh, I was raised in Africa, but she was not. She was raised in Washington State, along with her niece that is here with us. Amen. This is Jadrian. Jadrian, you can stand. This is my wife's niece, who's on her way to NAYC with us. Amen. Amen. So that's, that's who's traveling with us. And then our daughter, Aubrey. Amen. Praise God. Just turned a big 18 yesterday. Amen. So 
Amen. Now she's in America, and now she gets to get her driver's license and all those fun things that you do when you're an American kid. Amen. Amen. Praise God. It's good to be here. Back to my wife. I'm so thankful that she has answered the call of God and she followed, followed me to Africa. I grew up there, but she grew up in Washington, as I said. We have two other boys that are grown and married, and um, one of them is in Indiana. He's a youth pastor in Seymour, Indiana, and uh, it's very important that they bring their youth to NAYC because he's also bringing his wife and our first grandbaby. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And, um, and he was born on July 4th, so everybody celebrates his birthday. God bless Sister Eichard. Amen. She's a quiet strength in my life. She's a quiet strength to the people in Namibia. And uh, it's okay. I got this, Sister Eichard. I'm just going to speak a little bit. You know, you get people that are loving God, but when it comes to loving people, there might be a glitch. But Sister Eichard has been over and over, she has proven to be a friend to the sinner. And so the worst sinner there is can find a friend in her. And because of that, God has used her to lead people to God. I'm very thankful for her. Amen. We need a balanced body in the body of Christ. We can all be a finger. We can all be a toe. But we all have our place. And I'm so thankful for this church. I feel complete. I feel that everything that you offer is part of God's plan. And from the beginning to the end, so far we've been here about 30 minutes, maybe an hour, but I can already sense in the Holy Ghost that your church is going to grow, Brother Carnahan. And you're not, you won't be in this building very long. And when you bring the group back from NAYC, I believe that you're going to start more outreach if you're already not doing that. But I believe it's going to begin to catch fire. And I believe things are going to break loose here in, in this city for you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 And God will use each of you as you work with your pastor and do the work of God that God has called you to do. Amen. So God bless you. Looking forward to great things happening here. And God bless Sister Iker. Go ahead. Well, praise the Lord. It is very good to be here. We are enjoying the, the, <clears throat> the trip so far. And as you know, we are on our way to NAYC. And it has been different this time because we have our daughter with us now, but very shortly she will not be with us. And so it's very, it's just hard to get our heads wrapped around that. So we're all kind of, 
how are we going to handle this? But you know what? We don't have to worry about it because God's got it. We're in his will. It will work out. We will live through this. We will, as they say, this will pass. And God will bless in spite of the fact that we don't have our daughter with us. When we are in Namibia, there are a lot of things that are very different than they are here in the States. And we grow up learning certain things that help us as we grow, that help us to adjust to our life. And there was a book several years ago called All I Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. You remember that one? <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. But it was true. It was very true. Don't push. Don't be pushy. You know, smile. Be a friend if you want a friend. There were just so many things that we learned in kindergarten that we carried with us through our life. Besides the ABCs and counting and our numbers that help us as we grow, we wouldn't have learned how to do math if we didn't know the numbers to begin with. We wouldn't learn how to read and write if we didn't know the alphabet to begin with. Well, if, as we go through school, high school, and then our career, our family life, if we didn't learn those social things as a child, we would have a very hard life. And Namibians, when we got to Namibia, we had to relearn some things that we did not learn as Americans. And that was very difficult. There are some things that Americans have a very difficult time learning. One of those things is the, the, the aspect of time and um, schedule-oriented. Uh, Namibians are not time and schedule-oriented <laughs> at all. <laughs> they are people and relationship-oriented. So, and they're, they're, they are very respectful of others. They're very respectful towards the elderly. But when they are on their way to church, and we're already at church because it's a quarter till, and we're there early because that's what we do as Americans. That's what we do. But they're on their way. Okay, it's 7 o'clock. I must go to church now. They're on their way, and they're meeting their friends. And you do not pass by somebody you know without greeting them. And you have to greet them formally. I mean, it's not just, hi, hey, how are you? See you later. I'm, I'm headed this way, bye, too busy to talk to you. No, you have to stop. Hello, how are you? Oh, that is good, you are well, good. And your family, and your mama and your daddy, good. And your children, good. Your cows, your goats, all is well, good, yes, good. They want to know, that's part of their culture. I must find out how you are doing. Because if I meet you and, oh, something's wrong, something's not well, then you become my priority. It doesn't matter where I'm supposed to be, when I'm supposed to be there, or what I said I would do. God put you in my pathway, and you have a need. Therefore, God wants me to help you meet that need. Simple. That is an amazing thing that we have learned from Namibians. Very, very unlike the American people. Hey, how are you? I'd love to talk, but my schedule's much more important than you are. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry if I stepped on any toes. <laughs> but that's how it comes across to Namibians. That's how they feel if that's what's said to them. When we're in Namibia, one of the things that we are trying to do is train up our young people, young men and women, in the word of God. As they come into the church, as they're saved, we are, our first priority is to teach them the word of God. And so we have, Bibles, we have Bible schools, and we don't have one place for them to come to for a couple of reasons. One is Namibia is a very large country, and it's just not practical to ask people who have a job to quit their job and move to the city to do Bible school. So we do what they call satellite Bible schools. And we have different locations where in the different towns where they come either on a weekly basis or we go to them on a monthly basis and teach an intensive weekend of Bible school. So we're trying to teach the young people that come in to the church the word of God. And there's a reason that that is our priority. And to help you understand this, I'm going to tell you a story about zebras. And when you, from now on, when you see zebras, I want you to remember zebra stripes. I want you to think of the, the Ikerds and pray for us. One of the languages there has a lot of clicks. More batere. More batere means pray for me. So when you see zebra stripes from now on, you'll think of the Ikerds, Jesus' name, <laughs> and you'll pray for us. Um, the zebra, when a, when a mother zebra has a baby, she goes away from the rest of the herd, and she will not let that newborn baby look at the stripes of another zebra for several hours. She will turn around in front of it so that it sees her stripes from every direction. She is trying to imprint her stripe pattern on his brain. You see, she understands that she is that baby's only defense against a predator. A predator will come and disrupt the herd, and they do not run together as a group. They run in circles, and it's a chaotic mess. If you've ever seen a herd of zebras running, they are running back and forth and this way and that way. But that baby is trying to find its mother because the mother will kick the predator. The mother can kick hard enough to break the jawbone or stop the heart of a predator. So that baby's looking for its mama. And it will look at that herd that is in chaotic movement and can pick out its mother in an instant because her stripe pattern is imprinted on his brain. So with the word of God, when those new saints are filled with the Holy Ghost and they have a new life in Christ, we ground them in the word of God because storms of life will come. The predator will come and he will make a mess of things in their life. And they need to know where to look for their salvation, for their safety. In Jesus' name. Amen. 
I'm going to show you some things of Namibia, and uh, I love this thing already. <laughs> we've been in the States about two months, and we've been traveling about four weeks, five weeks, and so we're still loving America, eating Big Macs, Chick-fil-A, whatever, and just having fun. Amen. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure you're, you're used to all that. Where do I stand, Brother Carnahan? Just anywhere I want to? Okay. Amen. Screens everywhere. Isn't this wonderful? Okay. This man here, my uncle, took him to church in South Dakota. Dennis Euchre. It's a small world, huh? God bless you. It's good to see you serving God. Amen. So this is the Namibian flag. We get a lot of sunshine in Namibia. Uh, it's a desert country, arid. And uh, this is one of the ladies praying. I'm thankful, so thankful, that God would <clears throat> reach down to a country that's dry and fill people with His Spirit. God is so real. His Spirit is so strong. And I'm thankful that if we call on Him and we reach out to Him, that He is, he is faithful to answer our needs, to meet our needs. And I'm thankful that He died on the cross even for one soul. But I'm thankful that there's more than one soul that's being saved around the world, but this is one of them. This is worship. And it was so good to see tonight in your service hands just like this, raising, raising them towards heaven. Amen. Worshiping God. Surrendering. Amen. I'm thankful that the Word of God, the Spirit of God, is for the young and for the old. This man, his name is Brother Ross. He is a barber. But God has blessed him because of his faithfulness. Over 20 years serving God, worshiping God. God has blessed him abundantly. And he's still faithful to God over all these years. And I'm thankful that when we get to heaven, you're going to see people like Brother Ross. He can't come to see you, and you can't come to see him. But there's people like this that speak other languages around the world, and specifically Namibia, that when we get to heaven, you're going to have a part in it because you prayed for him to be reached. Or you gave in an offering. Amen. Your prayers are going forth. If you've ever prayed for a missionary, you're praying for the future. You're praying for the church of today. 50% of our population is under the age of 18. Aren't you thankful that you prayed so that these young girls could be touched by God. These young men can have a life changed 
because of your prayers. Now they have a hope. And this is one of their youth conferences that they're seeking God. This young man, even though he is married and he's a pastor today and he has four children, his name is Brother Simeon. Brother Simeon, come where they. At 17 years old, he came into the church. He began serving God. His grandmother would punish him for coming to church, him and his sister Maggie. Even though he has 29 brothers and sisters, only a couple of them were living with this particular grandmother. And she would starve them and keep food away from them because they came to church. But today, his his determination to serve God brought him all the way to where he is today. And now he pastors a church of over a hundred people. He is being ordained in this in this 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 picture right here. Him and his wife are ordained, and God has blessed him with a fine family, and not all broken like his father did to his family but I'm thankful that he did not blame his past or his father or any other thing on his future, but he put his hope and trust in God and, and look where God brought him. Amen. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your home life. It just matters what you're living today for God and tomorrow for, to live for God. Sister Esther, another story of how God brought her into church. She lived in a little, what we call kambashu. It's a tiny little, probably some of, about the size of some of your bathrooms at home. Very small. She lived with her uncle. And there was other family members that lived in there. And they put a lot of people in a small tin, tin shack, dirt floor. And she would be the one that would have to let each of them in at night because they would stay out drinking every night. And so she would have to lock the gate, open the gate, lock the gate, open the gate. So she would not get any sleep. Finally, one day she called Sister Eichert and she said, I can't serve God like this anymore. I'm going to run away. I don't know what to do. Sister Eichert said, you come to our house and live with us. She lived with us for over a year. She went through our Bible school program. She's now a graduate of Bible school and God is on her life now she's moved out into her own place she has a good job God has given her a future amen I'm thankful that we have a God who gives us a second chance amen some of the people worshiping this lady her name now we call her sister Oshana she was devil possessed I received a call saying, Brother Eichard, please come. We need to pray for this lady. We prayed in her home. She laid in her bed with blankets on. She could not even speak. We prayed in the dark in her room. Her children gathered around her. She has 12 children, her and her, and her husband. We prayed until God did something. It was like your prayer meeting tonight before service. It was a fervent prayer. And God delivered her. She raised her hands. She began to pray and cry out in her bed. After that, we came and baptized her that night at the church. 
The next day, she brought her family to church, 12 children. Those are all her children. Her husband in the background in the gray suit. She's in the brown. You see, you never know what one soul, what happens with one soul. If you get a, if you get a call to go pray at night, and disrupts your schedule, then you need to do it. Let your schedule be interrupted. Put the clock away and go pray for that person that's in need. That's what we did. This is one of her daughters. Got baptized in Jesus' name. She's seeking the Holy Ghost. This is her son. Baptized in Jesus' name. He's now the best praise and worship leader you'll ever meet. Brother Oshana. He graduated from our Bible school. I tell you, there's great rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents. Thank God that his mother came to God. And now their children are being born again and living for God. There's nothing too hard for God. If you would have asked me that this lady <clears throat> would have ended up bringing her children into church and doing all the things she's done for, for God, she sent 10 of our youth to youth conference, paid a thousand Namibian dollars each for them. You know, I would have say you're crazy, but you know, God knows who to reach. God knows who to save. And God knows how to build His church. So when you're looking at people, we have to look at people through God's eyes. Teaching underneath the tree, I'm thankful that God's Spirit is just as good and God's Word works just as fine in a building or under a tree. Amen. These young men built this church. This is one of our churches. We went from four churches in four years to nine churches. And this is one of the church buildings that they put together. And they packed this building out. And I trust that God's going to give them a new building and a bigger building as well. Amen. But that's the young men who built the building over a weekend. This is close to the Angola border. Namibia is about the size of Texas, so... It uh, gives you an idea we have to travel far. Sister Iker told you this is one of, one of the Bible schools we go to to teach them once a month. The lady on the front row is a pastor of another church in another denomination. She's from Malawi, but she pastors there in Namibia. The man behind her is from Ghana. The man behind his, him is from Zimbabwe. So we have reached four different countries, and one lady is from Kenya in there. But we have reached four different groups of people in this area, including some of the people of Namibia. So God's Word will continue to go forward. There they are. Some of them do not know English, so we have used an interpreter for them. And you can imagine that the, the classes take 
double and triple time just to get through it. Sister Eichard's class that she teaches, the man in the middle uh, toward the left with kind of spiky little hair thing on the top, he's a, he's a, he was a new convert, and his brother died. And he said, no, my brother's not dead. I will not accept it. He ran to the hospital. The nurses already told him, call the family, your brother's dead. They had disconnected all the machines except for the pulse ox on his finger. He kept going back and forth in the hallway praying, God, raise my brother. He doesn't know truth. Raise my brother. He cannot die. You know, God raised him from the dead in about 20 minutes. God raised him from the dead. The pulse ox started going off. The nurses come running back in the room. They said, oh my goodness, this is a miracle. This is a miracle. Please don't wait to pray for somebody until after you know you've gone through a new converts course or after you've graduated from a whatever. You've got you've got God already. Use what you have, use what you know, and just just watch God do the rest. Amen. I believe that. I believe God can use anyone group of people this is their church building it's a tent but they meet in this tent and have good church this is some of the graduates and uh, boy we have a great time when they graduate graduate amen this is one of the students you know God's spirit is the same and when people speak in tongues in Africa well, sometimes we hear them speak English they don't know English and sometimes we've heard him speak. I've heard him speak Swahili, a language I grew up in learning in Kenya. And they've never been to Kenya. So it's amazing to hear people as God fills them with His Spirit. This is our future Bible school. We want to build this Bible school in the next four years. And it's in the capital city. And uh, we're raising funds towards that. And if you would like to help us, I can give you a project number to text that to. It's 71777. And you just type Eichard in there and you can donate if you would like to. Sister Eichard does some sign language. She was uh, speaking to this man, interpreting. And, and uh, after she testified to him and explained the baptism in Jesus' name, we took him to the sea and baptized him. And you can't see him there because all his sins and hymns all underneath the water. But Sister Iker got baptized in the process as well. Amen. Some of those waves are pretty strong. A man called me, um, Pastor Harold. He, he was pastoring in another denomination in another country. He came and he said, I have three ladies to baptize. Can I baptize them? I said, Yes. So he came, brought the three ladies. He baptized them in Jesus' name. But before that, he said, would you give us a Bible study on Jesus' name baptism, which I gladly did. And after he baptized them in Jesus' name, he said, you know what? I think I need to be baptized in Jesus' name. So we baptized this Trinitarian pastor in Jesus' name for the remission of his sins. Praise the Lord.
Amen. Amen. This is one of the Sunday school children. Amen. We do work with a couple of orphanages, and these are Bushman children. If you've ever seen any documentaries on the Bushman tribe, these are Bushman children. Very small, very short. They're hunters and gatherers. And uh, you see the one on the left, he's still a little bit afraid of me. But uh, this is a sick little boy. And in Namibia, we have AIDS. I, I, you know, it's not something that we like to talk about, but it is a very real thing. Our daughter loves children. And here she is with the Bushman children in front of their house. I'm thankful for children. This is in the village of Oshikuyu, about 30 kilometers from the Angola border. You can see these ladies are elderly. Some of them have walked several kilometers to come to this tree and worship God. They meet on this property. We were given 10 acres by the chief. But until we get the church building done, which is almost done, we meet under this tree. I can testify today that God's Spirit is just as real under that tree as He is here tonight. Amen. And we baptize. Amen. In Jesus' name. And here's the chief that gave us the 10 acres of land in that area. And here's our Sheaves for Christ vehicle bringing supplies to that area so that we could uh, uh, get stuck sometimes on the way. But so we could build this church. And this church is now completely paid for and we just raised here a few days ago the money to complete it. So it's going to be plastered. The windows will be put in. The doors will be put in. And they're having a nice, they will have a nice church building. Thank you to the American church for your giving. Amen. This is a, the Namibian flag once again. God bless you. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in Namibia. We thank you, God, that you would bless them, Lord. Keep your hand upon them, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, God. Amen. If you have your Bible tonight, go to Hebrews chapter 12. Amen. I will not be long, but I will not go long if you will respond at the altar time. I will preach short if you will say, I will come to the altar at the end. Amen. Amen. You know, the altar at the end of the service is the application of the Word of God. And you may... I don't know what your needs are tonight, but because I'm a people and you're a people, I believe we have real needs. 
And I believe that God is here looking for a miracle. I believe God wants to do greater miracles, but sometimes there is no needs for a miracle. So, if you have a need tonight, I pray that you would bring it to God at the end of this message. So Hebrews chapter 12 and verse, <clears throat> verse 1, Amen. says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now let me just pause right here. Chapter 11 is the faith chapter. It's where God is recognizing that faith is what saved Noah and his family. That faith saved Abraham. Amen. And faith caused the children of Israel to leave Egypt into the land of promise. Without faith, it is impossible to plead God. And we can't even walk without holding our Lord's hand without faith. Amen. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, Brother Carnahan, but I do know that we still are holding the hand of God. And God knows tomorrow, even though I don't. Amen. I don't even know what's going to happen in a few hours, but we have a God that knows. Amen. We know about yesterday. We know about the past, the last life we were, our past sins. We know a lot about that, but we don't always, we don't not 100% about the future because that's what God controls. So I want to be connected to the God who knows the future and not know only your neighbor's future, but he knows my future, your future. Amen. So it says here in verse 1, Seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. In other words, a lot of people have already walked by faith. Let us lay aside every weight. Everyone say every weight. Every weight. You know, the clock is one of those weights. Amen. Amen. Oh boy, yes, that's right. You know, we have so many weights in our life. But if we are going to reach the next generation or this generation, we're going to have to lay aside some things. Amen. There's some things that when you go into a race, you may be seated because I'm just taking time here. We're going to go through this scripture a little bit at a time. How many of you ever ran? Oh, there's a lot of you run. How many of you still run? I don't, but you run for me, brothers. <laughs> Amen. But... Some people like to run. But it's not too many times that you see people running with a lot of stuff. Except if you're in boot camp. Then they put the backpack and the boots and all that on you. But most of the time, people that are run, they, they don't, they're not carrying a lot of things because they're, 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 they're getting somewhere. They're going somewhere. So the Scripture says, let us lay aside every weight you know, some things are not sin, they're just weights. Maybe it's worrying. Maybe it's stress. Maybe it's just thoughts, just things, things. Amen. But the Scripture says, let us lay aside every weight 
and the sin which doth so easily beset us. In other words, if you start running and you are carrying too much, you're not going to finish the race. You will not be able to make it the long distance. In the Old Testament, there was two men that were wanting to run. One had the message, and the other one didn't have the message. But he wanted to run. And he got there first. But he had no message. So there's something to be said for runners, but there's also something to be said for the man with the message. Amen. We have the message tonight. You have the message. So the Bible says, let us lay aside every weight, the sin that easily besets us, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Amen. God has called you today for this time, for this hour. Amen. He's called you to run with patience. Amen. The race that is set before you. I'm thankful. I'm not, I'm not running now, but spiritually, we're running a race. Amen. It's not for the swiftest but it is for the ones that endure to the end. Amen. The Bible says in the next verse, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. A good author always takes care of the main character. You are the main character. This is cowboy country, am I correct? So when I say Louis L'Amour, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Tell Sackett, could be parched, could have three bullet holes, and the enemy could be on his tail. No water, no horse, left for dead, but somehow he gets back up and he makes it to the end of the story. Because the author never lets the main character die. If our God is the author of our faith and the finisher, he did not bring you this far to just drop you and let you die in the desert. But He brought you this far for a reason and for a purpose. And in the end, in the end, God has a plan and He has a purpose. If we will be faithful to Him, He will be faithful to you. And you will see and you will live for another day to see the great things that God has planned for your life. So always have faith in our God who is the author and the finisher of not just your life, but your faith. And I believe that's probably what the Sackets and all them characters in Louis L'Amour had. They had something called grit. They had something called get up again. The Bible calls it faith. The Bible calls it faith when you go through trials. 
<laughs> That's funny, but it's not funny. It's not fun to go through troubles, but God calls it faith. And when you have faith, He's going to bring you through. There was a time, Sister Eichert and I and Aubrey, we were waiting for our visas, our work permits. To be in the country, we need work permits. And, and at this time, we had just received word from the government office that you have 24 hours to leave the country. Some of you ladies, I don't know what you would think if someone gave you a notice to get out of the U.S. in 24 hours. That would not be fun. Where would you go? Mexico? Canada? Well, we're already away from home in a foreign country, and now we're asked to leave that home. So we packed up our Honda Civic at that time, stuffed all of our important things in there, and we got on the road, Brother Carnahan. We headed toward the border. At the border of Botswana, that's where we decided to go because it was closer. We got to the border about 8 o'clock at night. We crossed the border, and there was one gas station. And Sister Eichert said, you know, we should fill up with gas here. Is there any men in the house here tonight? So you can understand when I said, oh, no, we have plenty. We have three quarters of a tank. Well, I should have listened. Because we went and we went and we went. And there was no town. There was no village. There was no gas. And that gauge kept going down and down. We were dodging all kinds of animals at night. It was very dangerous. Donkeys sleeping in the road. Cows sleeping in the road. Then you got the kudus and the gimsbuck and ostrich and on and on and on. And we're dodging animals and trying to save petrol and rolling up the window and make sure that everything's, you know, the air condition's off and just trying to save money. I even slowed it down to 40 kilometers an hour to stretch that petrol. We sure didn't want to be overnight in the wilderness. Finally, there was a light of a petrol station, gas station. I pulled into this gas station. And said, Thank God we can get gas. And then it realized I don't have any Botswana Pula. I'm from Namibia. I only have Namibian money. So I went and asked the attendant. I said, do you take card here? He said, yes, we do. I said, oh, thank God. He said, but it's broken. <laughs> said, well, I said, well, let's go try it. So we went in. I said, please try it. So they, they swiped it. And sure enough, there's no activity. Nothing. I said, God, did you bring us this far to just leave us here in the bush? I don't know why. I just, Brother Carnay, I said, would you, would you slide that card one more time? So they did. My family's waiting in the car. They swiped it one more time. And God did a miracle. The piece of paper come out of that thing. And that was the beautiful piece of paper I ever saw in my life. Thank God we got petrol. So we went on. We got to the capital city where we met up with our friends who were going to, they said they would take care of us. And that's another miracle. 
Just miracle after miracle. What am I saying? Where am I going? Talking about faith. But as you walk by faith and not by sight, God knows exactly what he's doing. But he don't want you to be in control. He wants to be in control. So here we are in a foreign country. Our house is behind. Our things are behind except for what we can take. And now we're going to our friend's house who are not in the church. They're not saved. But they agreed to take care of us and take us in. At the door, he said, Keith, don't worry. However long it takes, you have a roof here. You have a place to stay. Don't worry. Whatever God's doing, God knows what He's doing. So God spoke to me through my friend who doesn't even know all truth. So I said, thank you, Andre. We received a message from Namibia because we had applied for our visas again. And the lady said, well, I got an answer from the government. They said, your visas and work permits have been denied. You cannot come back. I said, okay. Ma'am, you see, now I got a little bit of faith. I said, uh, ma'am, you know that paperwork you have? Put it through one more time. She said, okay. You mean all the, all the markings on it? Yeah. Just put it through one more time. Okay. She put it through. A few days later, she said, I have got good news for you. They approved this paperwork after it was denied. And you can come back to Namibia. Praise God. Amen. Thank God. So... That was three weeks. I didn't tell you the timeline. That was three weeks. We looked at the email, and she said, now, there is a problem. Only you can come back. Your wife and daughter have to stay. They did not approve their paperwork. I said, what do I do? She said, well, you can try to go across the border, but they may arrest your wife and daughter. So, okay. That's what we're looking at. Okay. Otherwise, you have to come back, bring their passports, all long story. I said, no, we're just going to go in faith. We go. So we got in the car, eight hours back to the border, all the way. Lord Jesus, give us favor. Help us. We don't want my wife and family in jail. I don't need to call headquarters and say I made a stupid mistake. And you know. So we got to the... To the immigration officer and she had a scripture in her cubicle sister i could begin to talk to her about that scripture and then she took interest in our daughter said aubrey you're homeschooling right aubrey says yes she said aubrey do you have any books aubrey says yeah i have books so i told him go get some books well they went out to the car and you know how we pack you know it's stuffed so they're reaching in boxes and suitcases and they pull out one book it's a lime green Bible, brand new Bible. So they brought it in. We gave her the Bible. She wanted her name in the front. We put her name in the front. She took her stamp. She stamped their passports, and we walked through on the other side. Our God knows exactly what he's doing. And to make the story complete, 
when Andre and Tinky, the people we stayed with in Botswana, when they came to Namibia to visit, they gave us a call one day and they said, Pastor, are you free today? And I said, yes, we are free. He said, can we come over? We want to be baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. God does all things right. But He requires someone to be disrupted. He requires someone to go through the hardships. Is that okay to say? I'm going to tell this story because, you know, from every hardship, something good comes out of it. And even, even a life that is far away from God, God can do miracles through that. Hurt was a man that was in jail. One of our preachers visited Hurt. Hurt worked on a farm. Him and his two friends worked on a farm for many years since they were kids. And through this Bible study, he realized that his pastor, Brother Nicky, is telling him he needs to repent. So he repented in, in jail, turned his life around. Now he wants to be baptized. He wants to do the right thing. He had stolen, him and his two friends had stolen from their boss. <laughs> you know, we don't know why we do stupid things. But we do. And so he stole from his own boss. And in Namibia, if you steal one cow, they can put you in jail for 20 years because cattle are very valuable to the people. It's what you pay labola. And it's, it's your whole life. Goats, cattle, sheep. And so at the court date, his pastor, Brother Nicky, said, when you get to court, he said, you tell the judge the truth. And so sure enough, the day that he was called in before the judge, Brother Hurt said, Judge, I did steal the cows. His other two friends didn't confess, but Hurt did. And Hurt told the judge, he said, God has touched my life. I'm a changed man. And said, I just wanted to tell you my testimony. The judge said, you know, Hurt, I do believe your story. And he said, I'm going to do something I've never done before as a judge. He said, I'm going to let you walk free today. Kurt left the courtroom a free man. Amen. His, his pastor told him what to do. He said, you just go in the courtroom and you tell the truth. And God will take care of the rest. Sometimes you know, we have fears but we just need to follow the leading of God and do the right thing. So he did. So then he decided, well, I'm going to go back to my boss, the farmer, and I'm going to repent. Well, his boss really didn't want to see him again. But he let him come. He went and he got down on his knees and repented to his boss. And his boss said, okay, I forgive you. You know, I'm thankful that God forgives but very few people forgive. But this man forgave Kurt, and he said, you can bring your family back, move back on the farm, I'll give you your job back, I'll give you a second chance. So he did. Came back on the job. Started witnessing to people that he worked with. 
Pretty soon he started baptizing people in Jesus' name. He didn't wait. Kurt's not a licensed preacher. He just started baptizing. He just knew what, he, what happened to him. He just started doing what he knows to do. Wouldn't that be great if we were able to start baptizing people, baptizing people in Jesus' name and the pastor didn't always have to do it, but, but maybe you're somewhere and God leads it, opens a door for you to do that? Wouldn't that be amazing? So he was baptizing people and people were listening to him as he teaches Bible studies. So his, the boss said, I'm going to build you a church. So he built him a church. And then he said, you know what? Now, I'm going to promote you. I want you to be the head foreman on the job. You see, God took him through all that to, for that all to happen. We don't know why God allows things in our life, but I'm thankful that our God forgives. And I'm thankful that our God gives us a second chance to serve Him. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? <clears throat> Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. God uses people. And I pray that your faith would be strengthened tonight. And I pray that you would get more faith. I don't often tell this story. And I don't know really why I'm telling it to you. But we have some elders across our country, across the world, that you pray for and that you, that you, uh, that are part of you. They're part of the body of Christ. That serve God for many years and have gone through many, many different things. We want the revival and the miracles of other people that have gone on before us. They're already met their, they've already met their reward. They've gone on. But sometimes our generation, we, we don't want to suffer or we don't want to really pay the price as the song, old song says, everybody wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to pay the price of going to heaven. There is a price to go to heaven, and I hope that we're willing to pay for that price. If people are willing to die for our country, for freedom, could we be willing to lay down our life so that others could be saved? My mom... I grew up on the mission field. My parents were missionaries. My father died in 2008. My mom is serving right now in the country of Namibia as an aimer. She works underneath us. She don't need to be underneath me, but she does. And uh, she teaches Bible studies every week in her home. She has uh, young men coming in, young ladies coming in. She teaches two classes of Bible school in her home. It's one of our satellite Bible schools. I didn't tell you that she's 75 years old. She's still given her life. She still has faith in another soul. She has seen many people baptized. Amen. In Jesus' name, we baptized them there in the sea close to her home. But the things that she suffered, 
You can read it in a book. It's on Amazon. It's called The Trailblazer. If you'd like to read a good missionary book, it's a, a, a book about my mom and dad. My, my mom wrote it. About a lot of things that they went through in Kenya and Zambia and South Africa. But one day in South Africa, my, my mom was at home and my dad was in town. It was about one o'clock in the afternoon. And two men broke into the house and they thought there could have been money in the house. So they ransacked the house and they attacked my mom with a hammer. And my mom kept trying to tell them that she, there was no money that she was there to help their people. The younger man wanted to kill her and kept threatening to kill her. And the older man said, no, I think I believe her story. Let's wait a few minutes. So they tied her up, beat her up, and then they gagged her. They left her in the room. And they continued throughout the home. My mom was able to put a desk with her waist move of desk in front of the door, block the door, and go to the, the old phone and rotary phone, take it off, or the push button phone, I don't know which one, and dial my dad's cell phone number. Got down on her hands and knees and made some noises in the phone. My dad come home later on. At that time, the men had already left. But I'm telling you that story to let you know that there are sufferings to go through and there are scary times to go through. Even if you walk with God, there will be trials, there will be tribulations in your life. But I'm thankful that she went through it and did not give up. And so tonight, we've got a cloud of witnesses that have already gone through Everything that you're facing today, in some way, somehow, other people have already been down the same road that you and I are on. But God is the author of your book. And those things that happened in your past, they might be in the first few chapters. I don't know where you are in life story, but I believe that if God started your life, He is the one that will finish it. And when He finishes it, it's going to be a good story. He's going to take care of you. He's going to bring you through. He's going to bring you in, up, down, sideways. But God's going to take care of you because you are the main character. Let's stand tonight and let's lift our hands to the Lord. Let's put our faith in our words tonight. Let's give Him glory with our words tonight. Let's lift Him up. Lord, we praise You, Jesus, for who You are. God, I thank You, Lord, for what You're doing, Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, in every life that is represented here tonight, we believe that You have orchestrated it in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray, Lord, as we bring our life to You, we bring our needs to you tonight that you would meet them Lord I pray go before us here tonight 
go before our hours as we go into the next day tomorrow. I pray that you would guide our steps, orchestrate our steps. Lord, you said in your word that the steps of a good man are ordered of you. Order our steps tonight, dear God. Guide us, Lord, to the hungry hearts. Lead us to key people in this city. Lord, I pray your hand of revival in the city of Gillette tonight. Lord, that you would use Pastor Carnahan, his family, and his ministry team. Lord, that you would use this church. Lord, I pray, God, that you would bring a revival to this city, Lord, like we have never seen before. God, I pray, Lord, you would use us, Lord. Equip us, Lord, with your word. In your name we pray. God, we thank you for the power that is being poured out right now tonight. God, we reach for you. We reach for your presence. We reach for your spirit. Fill us full of faith tonight, Lord. Give us faith tonight, Lord, that you are in control. God, give us faith, Lord. I pray that everything is going to be all right. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. As we come to the altar tonight, let's raise our hands and let's worship God in faith for what he is going to do. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh God, we thank you for what you are going to do. We thank you for the healings that will take place. We thank you, Lord, for the, Lord, the addictions that are going to be set free. God, we thank you, Lord, that you are going to save our lost loved ones. Lord, I thank you, God, by faith that you are going to bring marriages back together. God, I thank you by faith that you are hearing our cry tonight in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. God, we call unto your name. We give you praise. We give you worship. We give you honor, dear God, for what you will do in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, God. We worship you, God. There is none like you. Lord, we depend on you. Our faith is in you, Lord. Our faith is in you, God. Oh, our faith is in you, dear God. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord.